the Application Security Podcast. Here we go. Hey folks, in this episode of the AppSec Podcast, we speak with Katie Anton and Jim Manico about the future of the OWASP Proactive Controls project. And that project is something we've talked about in previous episodes quite a bit, and they are very interested in gaining additional feedback on it. So we want to get this message out to you as soon as possible. We hope you enjoy. Hey folks, we are once again at AppSec USA, and we are joined by some special guests who are going to talk to us about the Proactive Controls Project at OWASP. And so Jim Manico is back with us. He has been on the podcast before, so we've already heard his security origin story. We know where he comes from. Uh, but Katie, would you introduce yourself and just tell our listeners where how you got into security? Hello, so my name is Katie Anton. I come from a software development background. Uh, I actually, I had to implement security in for my previous company. And this is when I started looking into what do I need to do in order to integrate security into the software development cycle. Um, and this is the beginning of my involvement with the Proactive Controls project. Okay. Uh, so. Just in case somebody who's listening doesn't know, I mean, we're going to talk about some of the details of proactive controls, but maybe you could just give us a high-level summary to kind of set the stage for folks. So the proactive controls um, are targeted for developers and uh, are created by developers, so Jim from a development background, and Jim Bird as well, who is a CTO. Um, and they are controls, um, security techniques that uh, we would like developers to use while they write their code. So this would be something that they can easily use um, while writing the code without being security experts, but they still are able to produce a more secure software. If I may, like the, the this is Jim, hello everyone, the, the proactive controls document it, it's, it's kind of like a comment on the OWASP top 10. The OWASP top 10 is risk-based, really for more risk managers or more secure, traditional security people. And very often as, as the OWASP top 10 you know, made its way around, I found that developer didn't always speak to developers, right? It's not in their language. It's in security language. So the Proactive Controls is a, is a kind of a comment on the OWASP top 10, a similar kind of list that's made for developers by developers talking about high-level security areas that they need to concern themselves with. It's an awareness document. It's meant for one read. So like my, my hope is developers read it once, then they never read it again. They go focus on other documents that, that go into more detail and nuance. So how much of a how much can a practitioner type stuff is in there though? Is it is it enough for somebody to really get an idea of what they should go and do? Or is that the intention of it, or is it supposed to be a little bit higher level, kind of like a WASP top ten? It's it's a, first of all, it, it's a top ten document, mm -hmm. so it, it is meant to be a high level awareness document. And and you know, and and we were 
fairly liberal in how we pick the categories. There's not like a stringent criteria here per se. For example, one of the categories, number two, is parameterized queries, which is very specific. And we give exact code examples of how to do that. Another area is implement identity and authentication controls. We could go read a book on that and still have a lot of ways to go. In fact, look at NIST 863. This is like a a 300-page document that talks about identity. So these categories aim at different levels, but we think they're the, the kinds of topics that developers really need to be aware about, especially for their first approach towards web security, to help them you know, be able to absorb other material around secure software building. And normally we focus on the origin story, like we already heard kind of where Katie came from and her experience here. But I'm curious as to the origin story of the proactive controls, like what was the what, what what was the what kind of started this thing? Was it like two people kind of sitting around a table going, "We should write a top another list"? Or how did it start? The, the project started. I'm, I'm the original project leader of it. Uh, the, the project started with uh, Andrew Vanderstock and and I discussing. Uh, you know, we need to have a developer centric top ten. Andrew got the project started, and, and Andrew moved to other other things. Andrew is very active within the community. He's working on the OWASP Top Ten now, ASVS, and many other projects. So he didn't have time to, to, to stick with the proactive controls, and we just started building it out. I, I and a few others started just building it out. It got near the end. Katie and Jim Bird joined around this time and were extremely active contributors. So I asked them both to be co-leads. I don't, I don't think any OWASP project, especially documentation projects for awareness, should be controlled by one person or vendor. So so Jim and Katie joined and now we have, and all three of us are from very different development backgrounds and we do different kinds of software development. So we, we have exceptionally civil conversations, I would say, to help, <laughs> That's to, good. To help determine you know, what, the, what the next version is going to be. Okay, good. Awesome. So, um, what are the what are some of the changes you're looking at for the next version that are kind of floating around in your head? We're we're in transition right now. So right now we're we're just about to finish the the current version, version three point okay. and, and and keep in mind up up until now, version three This is Katie, Jim Bird, and I doing the best from our experience to pick items developers need to be, be concerned with. And so 3.0 is a is is a reshuffling of some of the items, but it's not a, it's honestly it's more of a point change. It's not a major change and we're and uh, we're getting community feedback. We actually made the document world editable so anybody in the world can anonymously provide comments. We make those comments uh, not fully submitted, so we can review them and accept or reject them as as the project leaders. But we we allow feedback from the entire world. We're in the 3.0 feedback phase, and again, this is a, a relatively subtle change, I think. Right? It's not like a prolific change. After version 3.0, though, we want to be more in alignment with the OWASP top 10 and okay. be more in alignment with data. So now that the OWASP top 10 leadership has changed, they have four different leaders from four different companies, a new call for data, they're on GitHub now, all these very positive changes. I, I'd like us to be more in alignment with them. But what we asked is, we're, gonna, we're, we're so close to the end of 3.0, we're going to finish 3.0. Yeah. And, and then as we approach 4.0, we're going to try to be more in alignment with OWASP top 10, with a call for data, and, and try to... Try to build this proactive control list as something that's 
more than from from our heads, right? And more and and to, and more from just community feedback as well, and get some data so we can make make sure we're picking the right categories. I think that, that's that's like the transition we're in right now. I, I think that's wise. I mean, we talked to the OWASP top ten, the new leadership group here at the conference, and uh, they were took us through their process and how they're collecting the data and you know going through it and deciding which direction to go. And I think that's that's just a really positive way to approach it. Let the community have some feedback. Not necessarily no single person should be able to drive anything. It's 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 all a feedback process, but I think it's really good stuff. If you're not kidding around and uh, and frankly that that's very new for the project. Yes. The OS top ten has been historically it's historically picked by one one or two people yep. in a back room with cigar smoke and you know infrared <laughs> light yeah, yeah whatever but and to some degree it's kind of like how we've done the proactive controls not intentionally but this has not been a not been data driven and, and we have done community feedback but it's just been us so we're eager to to I'm eager to echo the OWASP top tens model of a call for data and, and really try to increase the rigor of what we're doing as time goes on. Have you, have you thought about like what, what type of data you actually call for? Because like with OWASP top 10, it's pretty easy. You've got all these human testers and companies that have testing and they have all these millions of results that they've found over time. Right. But from a proactive controls perspective, what do you, what would you ask people? Like, what do you envision saying? I mean, is it like, you know, people, Weighing in on kind of their, what their process is, like providing you their their secure development lifecycle for analysis, or like what how, what are you thinking there? I don't have a good answer for that. That's a really good question. It's a question that that we're just beginning to to dig into. What I know is uh, is is uh, is to go get help. Right. Mm -hmm. One of the one of the members of the OWASP top ten team is Brian Glass, who's a who's a legit data scientist. Yep. He did some of the the early analysis of the of, of OWASP top ten two thousand seventeen RC one. To show what the data really says, so we're we're gonna we're gonna lean heavily on some of the experts at the OWASP top ten area around what data we should be looking at, around how to do proper data analysis. I don't have that expertise. I don't I don't know how to answer that, but I'm, I think that we're gonna need to do some new surveys and 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 work with the existing top ten team to answer that question. So stay tuned for that. When I when I have a better answer, I'll I'll, I'll definitely give you a ring and let you know what we're going to do. Yeah, that's 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 uh, fair. I want to have a question about just the contents itself. I remember we're looking at version one and saying it definitely was more web based or top ten based. It, version two it added mobile, some mobile top ten and some some guidelines. If you're a mobile developer, what are some things to look at? How did that come about? Curious about that. That was uh, actually uh, community feedback. So okay. during the world uh, open edit mode of the version two, uh, we had that feedback. So it was just coming from the community. Uh, okay. it, it's a good point uh, to inspect our game to expand on that one or to have a separate uh, controls for mobiles, uh, but that was uh, community feedback at the time. Okay. Yeah, when I've talked to others, they don't know that's in there. I didn't. I didn't know there was mobile, and yeah. so I haven't read it from you know I guess line by line. But Robert was telling me, oh yeah, there's mobile mm -hmm. stuff, and I'm like, I think I read it all the way through, but I must have missed it. So. Yeah. There, there's some mobile chit chat in there, right? As we as we as we discuss other control er these control areas, we have more mobile notes, mobile references. Okay. I envision long-term that if you look at how the, the application security verification standard project matured, they began with a ASVS list primarily for web security with a mobile section, 
And now the mobile section has turned into a whole separate standard, right? So now we have the massive, right? The mobile application security verification standard and the ASVS, which is more web-centric. I envision if this control project continues, I envision having a mobile proactive control list. And, and, and I believe the mobile project already has some of that done already, frankly. So okay. it would just be kind of repurposing it as... Uh, another, a new document, maybe taking some of the things they've already developed in their project and, and bringing them into a new document and taking your best practices and together. Exactly. And they're, and frankly, what they're doing at the mobile project is extremely mature. So mm -hmm. there, there's a lot of act, a lot of activity there that we can pull from. So you mentioned the, the interaction with the top 10, the proactive controls. Do you see a direct tie-in with ASVS? Like a mapping, or is there? Will there, will there be a crossover ever? Is there a need for a crossover between these two docs? Well, there, I mean, everyone loves to map everything to each other, right? <laughs> it's like well, it's what the scientists do, and so keep in mind that ASVS and and the top tens are for radically different purposes, right? Mm -hmm. yep. The top ten is meant for initial awareness to get you to get you warmed up and get you introduced to the topic of secure software in a, in a hopefully gentle fashion. Yep. ASVS is not meant for gentle. This is a whole different ball of wax. This is hundreds of nitty gritty detailed requirements. It's really meant to be a big requirement database so you can go through a forking process and build your own standard. Companies charge a lot to provide secure coding standards for other companies. I will, I'd like to have a, a like a, a good base to help facilitate that process. So that's what ASVS is. Now, of course, you can map these things together. I don't think I just don't think it's that important. I think they're, they're really separate projects meant for separate things, and making sure they're at least loosely in alignment is a good idea. But I don't. The mapping doesn't doesn't speak to me. Is that, is that, is that fair? Yeah, that's fair. I had somebody else ask me that question about the the. How does that? Fit How do these end? documents all going to fit together in the future? But I think that's a fair. It's a fair reason to say that it doesn't. That not everything does have to map. And the challenge is, this is a volunteer organization, and mapping. As soon as you make it, five seconds later, oh, one of them's broken because somebody tweaks something, and then it's a constant battle trying to keep it in sync. But don't worry, Chris. Someone's going to map everything to everything. So these all get. <laughs> it's, it's gonna, it'll happen no matter what. Whole right? cottage industry of mapping that's happening out there. So um, I guess as the project leads for this this project. If you could look five years, you know, think about five years in the future, what what would be, I mean, what, what would be your kind of things you'd like to see that are different based on the proactive controls? What I'd like to see is um, that these controls are actually implemented in... Um, by developers, uh, so I currently work as application security consultant. I work with developers on a, a daily basis, and there is still um, um, because developers uh, do not have a training in secure coding or security, uh, they still struggle with uh, input validation. Contextual encoding is still something that is not very clear out there. Uh, even securing uh, the queries uh, to the database, especially for s certain things that cannot be parameterized, like table names or uh, column names. So I like to see that developers have uh, taken this, have spoken about these controls to other conferences, and we see less of these defects in software. In my 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 vision or my my hope that someday is that we we have a different 
top 10 defense list, or I'm sorry, top 10 proactive control list for Java developers, for Ruby on Rails developers, for .NET developers, for mobile developers, for embedded developers. So the, the more that we can split this out for each ecosystem, the better it's going to be. The right. top 10 list for one language doesn't always map to the others. But it loosely does, but there are really specific things in Java that we can call out that are very different than what's happening in Ruby on Rails. So, so similar to the cheat sheets, right, in the, in the sense that you have some specific things. But in this case, for developers, here's a whole set of things for that language, that platform, to be thinking about that may be slightly different than another platform or language. So. I think if we if we matured in that direction where we had the OWASP top 10 proactive Java controls and similar, I think that would really uh, call to developers at an even deeper level. I've been saying this for a long time. I, I, I haven't done it yet. Okay. So I like to, it's due time, right? So Sure. Yeah, and I think... Um, I think it's good to look into the look and see kind of where do we want to get to in the future, and who knows we may end up somewhere completely different. But it's still it's still good to uh, think about that. I think um, the other important thing, Chris, is that we get more in alignment with data. That we do a call for data and figure out what data to, we should even be looking at as de, as defensive thinkers. So that's the other ideal in the future as well. Yeah. So. Um, I, get, I mean, folks can go to, they can certainly go grab this document. And anybody who's listening to this, if you haven't read this, we've talked about proactive controls, I think, three times in the last 10 episodes or so. It keeps coming back up. So if you haven't, uh, if you haven't talked about or haven't looked at that document, you need to go look at it. And um, is it too late for feedback right now, or is the feedback window still open? The feedback we, uh, window is still open. We plan to have it until the end of September. End of September. Okay. September. Okay. All right. So that uh, means I can still go and uh, I did browse around the document. I didn't add any comments to it, uh, but I did find it was the Google Doc version that you had, so I could see there were other people poking around as well. Uh, so, that, so I guess that's the takeaway for the listeners is go take a look at this document. This is a chance where you can have your voice heard. Um, these folks are project leaders. They're saying they want to hear feedback from from the uh, the practitioners and, and everybody out there. And um, so, uh, yeah, I think that's – do you have any other questions on the proactive control side? Not at the moment other than just a comment. It's, you know, it's a great resource. I've, you know, I've used it. I've taught it. I've uh, introduced it to a lot of developers out there. They know about the OWASP Top 10. They've heard of it many, many places, but not the proactive controls. So you know, thank you for your work and, uh, you know, for myself as a person out there trying to push it as well. I think it's great to have a resource like that we can uh, put out there and, and help developers understand, you know, what they need to do and, and some ways to help them in, in their own secure coding. Yeah, and thanks for being project leads. We know that uh, that's not always it's not always the easiest thing. Sometimes you got to deal with people that are that want to be difficult and whatnot. But you know, we know you volunteer a lot of time. We appreciate it, and uh, we really like the document. And I recommend it everywhere I go these days. So thank you for your time. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Application Security Podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, please do us a favor and visit the iTunes store and give us a five-star rating. Our intro music is 8-Bit Kung Fu by Bourne and TJ, and the outro is Southern Delight by Stefan Kartenberg. You can find us on Twitter at AppSecPodcast or on the web at www.appsecpodcast.org.